This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen along with you. Well, today, more than 29 million Americans have diabetes, and almost 1.5 million are diagnosed with diabetes every year, and the numbers keep growing. But there's a transplant option for some patients with this disease. And here to tell us more about it are Dr. Reiner Grusner. He's professor of surgery and the division chief of transplant services at Upstate Medical University. And Dr. Mark Leftavi. He's the director of the pancreas transplant program for Upstate's University Hospital. Welcome to you both. Thanks so much for coming in. Dr. Grusner, let me start with you. Help us understand this transplant option. What are we talking about? Well, thanks for having us here today, Linda. As you mentioned, uh, close to 30 million Americans are diabetic, and the number of the ones that are not being diagnosed may also be another 15 to 20, 25 million. Um, diabetes, as you mentioned, is uh, one of the most serious um, health problems that we face. It's the number one cause for blindness, the number one cause for end-stage kidney disease and patients having to go on dialysis, probably the number one cause for strokes, and for coronary heart disease. We are spending um, over $200 billion on diabetes, and the prospect of being insulin independent for diabetics through conservative, meaning um, uh, medications and so forth, um, becoming insulin independent are relatively small. So pancreas transplantation was developed um, several decades ago, was initially not that successful, but the results have significantly improved in the 1990s, and nowadays we are looking at uh, five out of six pancreas transplants working at one year, meaning five out of six diabetic patients will be insulin-free, will never have to check a box diabetic or chronic disease anymore, and will enjoy a normal life. So let me get this straight. You're basically saying that by transplanting a pancreas, they are no longer diabetic. Absolutely correct, Linda. You do not require any insulin. You can eat whatever you want to. You can have a brownie. You can have a Coke. Um, not a Diet Coke, a regular Coke, and you don't have to check your blood sugar anymore. Okay, so who are the patients within this diabetic population who are most likely to benefit from this? It sounds like it would be a cure, so to speak, for all, but that's not exactly the case. Correct. There are basically two groups, and I will just focus on one of the two groups. Those are the brittle diabetics. Now, we have the great advantage of having a great Jocelyn Center here right in town, in Syracuse, and uh, they see thousands of patients with diabetes. Now for many, and the majority of them, I mean they have wonderful devices, pumps and so forth in place. To maintain their insulin, to keep their... They still will be um, on insulin, but I mean the blood sugars are much better controlled. But then there are about 5 or 10% of the patients that no matter how hard they try, the doctors try, the patients try, they will have, the patient will have brittle diabetes. Now for those patients, a pancreas transplant alone is an option. I'm going to interrupt you for a second. We use the term brittle diabetes. Help us understand what that means exactly. Is it, you say they can't control, so are there big swings in their blood sugar and leading to further Co damage, that kind of thing? Correct. The swings can be as extreme as in the teens or 20s to up to 1,000. And then the secondary complications of diabetes is what, what, what eventually kills them. Uh, those complications, as I mentioned before, uh, I mean, uh, affect the kidneys, the heart, uh, the blood vessels, and so forth. And blindness and all kinds of other... Absolutely. So let's get back to the pancreas transplant. Mo this is mostly for patients then who are designated as, quote-unquote, brittle diabetics or 
ones with labile diabetes. And then there is a second group, and that second group are patients who have an underlying kidney disease. Let me talk to Dr. Laftavi here. Dr. Laftavi, explain to us the distinction. Why? Because I've heard that sometimes you would do a dual transplant where you would do a kidney and a pancreas. Explain why that would be and who these patients are. Thank you, Linda. Um, well, let me say that, you know, despite all this treatment for diabetes, uh, uh, what it is conventional or strict diabetic uh, control, we cannot halt or reverse the secondary complication of diabetes. So we can control the blood sugar very well, but uh, despite the well control of the blood sugar, still the complication of diabetes will continue, like uh, um, damage to the eye, to the kidney. The only way that's shown that actually can halt or stop the damage to the organs are transplant, because you got an organ there that work 24-7 and regulate your blood sugar. Now, when, when it comes to the diabetes, then uh, there's three options, as we said. But uh, the most, I mean, um, curing option is a pancreas transplant. But why, in some cases, do you do the, yeah. the dual transplants? Now, if you have uh, diabetes and you are on dialysis, actually is very dangerous disease because there is about 19.7% uh, mortality per year. So the damage from dialysis and diabetes together will hurt your body even further. So these people who are diabetic and they need a kidney transplant, they will get kidney and uh, pancreas at the same time. And these have been shown to be successful both in restoring the kidney function and also basically eliminating right. the diabetes? Absolutely, because you know their primary disease is diabetes, the diabetes that killed their own kidneys. So now we need to treat the primary disease, which is diabetes, but also because of their kidneys lost, then they need a kidney transplant. Now there are people who actually receive the kidney transplant and they are still diabetic. So those can come and have a pancreas because, again, their primary disease is diabetes. So that's really the core issue. The, the core. source of all of the problems yeah. really is the diabetes. And the third one that we I like the most is uh, transplant of pancreas early in the stage of diabetes. I mean, we should not wait till the patient become blind or look, chop, you know, their legs or their limbs and... Uh, come for transplant. We can cure diabetes actually at the early stage before it really damaged the body, though that's what we call pancreas transplant alone. In those young people who have a brittle diabetes, the major things they actually is hypoglycemic and awareness. That's what we call it. Because these people, their sugar goes down. It, they may actually kill themselves when they are driving because they are not, let me just to help explain that, because I think I understand what you're saying. If you have a lot of brittle, you have a lot of variation in the blood sugar, you right. may not, you may lose the sensitivity. You become unaware of the shifts. And in that case, maybe not be able to treat yourself properly with the insulin or what have you. And you could literally, it's life-threatening. That the side, effect, the side effect of very strict diabetic control, because for those, we have to use a lot of insulin to keep the sugar at the reasonable level. And those are more prone to get hypoglycemia. And when your sugar goes down, then you become unconscious. And that, if you're driving, 
you may kill yourself. <laughs> or someone else. Or a lady <laughs> told me she found herself in the apple basket at Wegman because she didn't know where she is. she is. That's pretty frightening stuff. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm Linda Cohen along with pancreatic transplant surgeons, Dr. Mark Laftavi and Dr. Reiner Grusner. We're talking about transplants of the pancreas. Dr. Grusner, how is it actually done? I mean, what do we, let's go back to just pancreas. What, what happens? Well, <clears throat> we do not replace the existing pancreas. So the native pancreas stays in place. So we add the pancreas. It's different in that regard than the liver or the lung, uh, lung or the heart, where we take the native organ out and we replace it. With the kidney and the pancreas, we just add it to it. So it is a procedure that is done through the belly. We connect it to the blood vessels in the, in the pelvis, <clears throat> lower portion of the abdomen. And the procedure itself takes about three to four hours. Uh, the, the risk of dying as a diabetic after transplantation is less than one, less than five percent um, over the first year. Now compare that to the mortality of all diabetics um, within one year. Um, that is about fifteen to twenty percent. So the patients, of course, are well selected that can undergo a pancreas transplant, but the risk of dying is is very, very minimal. The chances of becoming non-diabetic, insulin-free, are very high. They are way over 85%. Is it hard to find the donors? I mean, these are basically people who are deceased are the donors. I mean, can anyone be a donor to a pancreas donor? Well, in theory, yes. Um, we have, um, um, by and large, about 10,000 uh, donors um, per year in the United States, um, people that uh, were kind enough and thinking of um, other human beings in need to donate organs. Now, we are very selective when it comes to the pancreas because, as you know, the propensity to develop diabetes over time increases. So we are primarily looking for donors that are relatively young, that have no other um, comorbidities, and uh, where we can almost guarantee a good outcome once we use the pancreas. So let's get to the outcomes for a second. I mean, in, in terms of the, the um, let's start with just the pancreas, and then, then we'll go to the dual um, surgeries. How do these patients do over time? They do very well. There are now patients out for more than 30 years um, without insulin requirements, and increasing number over 20 years, and then a few thousands over 10 years. We actually um, are home to the International Pancreas Transplant Registry here at Upstate, and we oversee about 50,000 or over 50,000 pancreas transplants worldwide, about 30,000 of them done in the United States and 20,000 outside. So we have been able to really be um, a research a pacemaker in terms of what is best for, I mean, this huge patient cohort in terms of immunosuppressive therapy so that patients don't reject in terms of surgical techniques. The results are excellent, uh, um, um, although if you have a kidney transplant, the kidney seems to further protect the pancreas. So the outcomes are slightly worse for those that undergo a pancreas transplant alone, but the results are great for those that have a kidney at the same time or undergo a pancreas after a previous kidney. How about this idea of having to take this anti-rejection medication? Does that complicate the outcome? Because obviously if, you've, if you have both a kidney and a pancreas or just the pancreas, you're lifelong continuing to take that medication, aren't you? Yes, I mean, but um, the harm of the medication has shown that much less than the harm of the diabetes. So the diabetes itself is more harmful compared to the harm of the immunosuppression. 
Daimler suppression is almost the same for the kidney and pancreas or pancreas alone. Uh, the issue that when you do a kidney and pancreas at the same time because they come from the same donor, then we can monitor the kidney for rejection. So there is a better monitoring for rejection. When the pancreas come different from other donors, then we cannot use the kidney because it came from a different donor. So it's a little more complicated. Exactly, to as, a, as a marker for rejection. Uh, and therefore, some people may reject um, and it's difficult to find. But is it, is it turn go ahead. But is, you know, to wait just to have kidney and pancreas at the same time, it may take longer. We can do transplant faster and earlier if you wait only for a pancreas. So if you got a living donor, particularly because, as I said, the harm of the uh, dialysis and diabetes is very huge. So if you have a living donor, you better to do a living donor kidney transplant and then get a pancreas. That's the best option available at this time. I don't want to run out of time, but I know there's another option that has, it's on the horizon that's very, very exciting. Rather than transplanting an entire pancreas, there is the opportunity to transplant the eyelets of the pancreas. Dr. Gerstner, briefly explain that and what, and right now it's not available because it's in, only in clinical trials available. Explain it. Yeah, there has been a lot of publicity recently about eyelet transplantation. In short, only 2% of the pancreas produce um, islets, those are the insulin-producing cells. The remaining 98% have nothing to do with um, glucose control. Um, <clears throat> the results recently of islet transplantation have gotten notoriety because um, it appears that Medicare Medicaid at some point may cover that procedure, and that will change, I mean, the life for diabetic patients. The issue is, is that insulin independence from islet transplantation is not as easily achieved as with pancreas transplantation. At Upstate, we are currently in the process of building a laboratory that will enable us to do islet transplants, and I think within the next two or three months we can give you an update, Linda, as how this progresses and what the options for our patients will be. And those patients will do very well but will not even have to take immunosuppressive drugs, am I correct? Uh, that is true for patients who have chronic pancreatitis where we use the native pancreas and give the cells back. For patients with diabetes, we still are dependent on donors, diseased donors, and they still will require immunosuppressive therapy. These are such exciting uh, developments. I thank you so much, both of you, for coming in and sharing them with us. My guests have been Dr. Reiner Grusner. He's Professor of Surgery and the Division Chief of Transplant Services at Upstate Medical University, and Dr. Mark Leftavi, the Director of the Pancreas Transplant Program for Upstate's University Hospital. I'm Linda Cohen. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air.